Soon Bilbo caught a glimpse of them as the darkness deepened. He loved elves, though he seldom met them. But he was a little frightened of them too. Dwarves don't get on as well with them. Even decent enough dwarves like Thorin and his friends think them foolish, which is a very foolish thing to think. The Hobbit, Chapter 3, A Short Rest. Megervan and Melon, I'm Mel. And I'm Kristen. Welcome back to another episode of Interesting Tales from Tolkien, a Podmoot. This week, we'll be covering Chapter 3 of The Hobbit, A Short Rest. How do you feel about this chapter, Kristen? Well, I feel a bit vindicated because I predicted that we would take a short rest. Funny that. And we did take, actually, I mean, we took like a two-week rest. We did. So, you know, I don't know I don't know how short that is. And if that is short, I don't know what that means for the rest of our adventure. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a nice, short, easy chapter, met some people, hung out a bit. <laughs> well, yes, so the characters we met, it's actually really one named character, and that's Elrond. And I asked about Elrond last time. Turns out Elrond is an elf, is that right? Well, he's actually a Parathel. Do you remember what that means? That was one of the words you taught me in episode zero, and I, I'm sorry, I don't remember. It means half-elf. Ah, half-elf. Yeah, so what's the other half? Well, Elrond isn't exactly half and half. He is part human, part elf, and part oh. Maya. What's a Maya? We'll get into Maya's more deeply later because it's kind of complicated, but essentially boiling him down... People compare them to angels. They are spirits who serve the gods of Middle-earth. So there's like river Maya, fire Maya, and things like that. So his great-great-grandmother was a Maya. All right, then. He's very interesting, but I will say I don't think Tolkien fully had him fleshed out at this point, just based on some of the things he said. Like saying, the master of the house was an elf friend, one of those people whose fathers came into strange stories before the beginning of history. And the elves and the first men in the north, in those days of our tale, there were still some people who had both elves and heroes in the north, of the north for ancestors. And Elrond, the master of the house, was their chief. It just makes it sound like elf friend is entitled given to people who are the friends of elves, not usually people counted among elves. Uh huh. Well, I did love that Bilbo says, hmm, it smells like elves. And so I'm thinking, what do elves smell like? I mean, like, is it is it good? It, or like, do they smell like goblins? Is it like body odor? You know, like, what is it exactly? I would like to think that the elves have a very fair body odor. When they perspirate, they smell of roses and sandalwood. No, is that just your headcanon or is that a thing? That's no, no, that's that's me. That is me. <laughs> So before they get to Rivendell, we they they're traveling along and they see the mountains coming up ahead. And poor Bilbo, he sees like the first <laughs> mountain of the Misty Mountains, and he's like, "Is that the mountain?" And they're like, "They're like, no." <laughs> Have you had a look at the map on at the back of your book? Yes, and I mean, I do keep sort of flipping back and forth as I can see it, and it's. You know, it doesn't make much sense yet, but I, I mean, I can see that there's like this whole, I see Elrond and Rivendale and I see this whole string of mountains. So yeah, clearly we have much farther to climb. Yep. They have to cross those mountains. Their location, you should be able to see it on the map, is the Lonely Mountain. There should be a hand pointing to it. I'm pretty sure. 
Pretty sure there is. There is in one version at least. Don't know if it's in our version. Yeah, I don't know if I have the... Uh, so there's a dragon. And it says the desolation of Smaug. Oh, yes. Okay, there. L- oh, Lonely Mountain. That's where they are right now? That's where they're going. Oh, oh. okay. Wow. Yeah, but right now they're at the mountains in Rivendell. And yep. All that. Yes. Yep. So they're in Rivendell. And yes, they've got to cross the mountains and get to the Lonely Mountain. Right. Awesome. So there you go. They've got a long way to go. In fact... The entire distance of their journey is 950 miles. And if you are at all interested, they've already travelled 397 to get to Rivendell. So they've made good time. And tea time had long gone by, and it seemed supper time would do the same. Poor Bilbo. Yeah, yeah. time is told, told by food, and Bilbo is not getting any. Exactly. And it seems like it's going to be a long time. Like, he's going to basically fall asleep on his horse, because he can't even sustain himself. He's so hungry. Poor little guy. And they uh, have yeah, run out of food that they managed to get from the troll horde. Though I'm still sus about taking food from trolls. Just saying. What is sus? Oh, suspicious. Australian word. Ah, there we go. So I'm going to learn to speak Australian as well as Elvish. I always wonder, is my Elvish accent too bogan? <laughs> okay, what's bogan? It's an Australian term. It's kind of un- lower class Australian accent. Ah, Okay. <laughs> Rivendell is this super hidden, well-guarded by the natural landscape place, and they take a while to get there. They talk about going into various valleys and having to not fall off cliffs, but finally they see this beautiful house and they start hearing the elves sing. What a great song. I I can't (laughs) wait to explore this music more. I mean, just, just the music of the words is really amazing. So here's the question. Do you think it's impromptu? Or do you think after the elves found out, because Gandalf would have said, you know, I'm traveling, this is who I'm traveling with, I need to enter your lands. Do you think like whoever got that message ran back, gave it to the other elves and the other elves just sat there writing, waiting for them to turn up going, we're going to sing the sickest beats. (laughs) You know, I get the feeling that this is maybe like a song you can cut and paste. So (laughs) it's a song they always sing to travelers and you just sort of stick the names in but, you know, there, there are some things about here, about your ponies are straying, the daylight is dying. Like, those kinds of things would be true no matter who showed up. Yeah. And then, you know, what brings Mr. Baggins and Balin and Dwayne, like, like the, the, you just find the right number of syllables and stick them all in there. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get any sense that this was, like, a special thing they had written just for them. Mm. Fair enough. No, I was just wondering what you thought. <laughs> Once they've done singing, the elves come out and meet them, and we get this quote, and I love it. It's, dwarves do not get on well with them. Even decent enough dwarves like Thorin and his friends think they them foolish, which is a very <laughs> foolish thing to think. Because, yes, they're this merry, laughing group, and then you've got the dwarves who have been, you know, trailing along, fighting trolls, trying to get very far across Middle-earth, and they turn up and these elves are just like, tra la 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 ha Well, and Bilbo loves them, but he's a little scared of them. They're intimidating, I'm sure. But then the next thing I love about the elves is their commentary. Well, well, said a voice. Just look, Bilbo the Hobbit on a pony, my dear. Isn't that delicious? Most astonishing, astonishing wonderful. Mm -hmm. Just like their little jibes or when they're crossing the river, don't dip your beard in, father. It's long (laughs) enough without watering it. Do you agree with the dwarves that they're foolish? 
Do I agree they're foolish? The dwarves seem really purposeful. Like they, they have a job. They're going to get some stuff done. They, you know, they made a gathering. They packed up everything. They started on this adventure. They dispatched some trolls. Well, actually, Gandalf dispatched the trolls, but, you know, it, 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 they, they wanted to dispatch the trolls. They had intention. And they also don't seem like they talk a lot. So I could see where all the elvish chatter would get on their nerves. Because we, I mean, we all have that friend, right? Who just, they, like, there's no silence when they're around because they're just, they're just talking about everything all the time and they don't really take a breath. And the, so it, it, at least right now, as I'm first meeting them, it seems like that's the elves. They have to, you said commentary. Like, yeah, they just have to make comments on everything. And that, I think that would, I think that would get a little old. I have this, this is completely headcanon, nothing to back it up. And in fact, I am probably wrong, but I like to think these elves who are giving sort of, who greet Gandalf, the one who greets him and then the one giving commentary are actually Elrond's two sons. (laughs) I just love the idea that they're like, oh, dad's got guests. Let's just go and be horrible people because what else are we going to do in this peaceful valley? So they're actually going to troll him. They go troll him. <laughs> See what I did there? There's nothing to back that up whatsoever. That his sons, when they're later spoken about, are like described as grim and purposeful, and there's no reason for them to act that way. But I just think it's funny to think of them going, "Oh, Dad, you got guests. We'll deal with it." I love this. Even Gandalf says elves have overmerry tongues. So there you go. They just they just talk a little too much, and so. They go into the valley and Bilbo described, well, because we're telling it the story from Bilbo's perspective, is saying how restful it is and how he very much would have just liked to stay there and not continued on. And I get that. (laughs) I would want to stay there too, I think. Nothing like a good nap. So we meet Elrond and I kind of already did the description of him, part of it, but they also go on to say about how his face is as uh, fair as an elf lord's and he has the bearings of a king of old. And I just find that really a great descriptor, sort of to just get this idea of how awe-inspiring he is. And and also kind as summer. Yeah. How beautiful is that? What a wonderful thing to say about someone. And, and he'll play a small but important part if we ever get to the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, we are about half, nearly halfway through their marching. In fact, I think we'd be over. 950 miles and they've done nearly 300, 400. <laughs> oh, well, all right. Yeah, yeah, they don't have far to go now. <clears throat> and it says that he only has a small part to play in this story, but he's played a great part in many others. Fun fact, he is the only character to appear in all of Tolkien's major works. Excellent. Well, I look forward to that. And he knows about runes. Yeah, very convenient. So he and Hermione would have so much fun. I actually, I think Hermione, if their universes collided, Hermione would have an aneurysm meeting someone like Elrond because this isn't one of my five fun fast facts, I promised you, but we will go on to find much later. He is also like the greatest healer in Middle-earth. He's one of the greatest law masters in Middle-earth. Wow, okay. I mean, when when you've got eternity on your hands, you can get good at stuff. And the swords have names. They do. That's really cool. So or- Orchrist and Glamdring, is that right? 
Correct. So this is actually going to lead us into our five fun fast facts. So these two swords are from Gondolin. Uh, they were forged for what's called the Goblin Wars in the old days, the older days, the first age of Middle-earth. Our five fast facts are going to start with Glandring belonged to the King of Gondolin, who is Elrond's great-grandfather. So that's fact number one. Fact number two, Elrond had a twin brother who was also obviously a half-elf. He chose to be counted among men and so eventually died of old age. Fact number three is Elrond's father was indeed one of the heroes of old. He was Erendil the Mariner, who's an amazing legend in Middle-earth that we'll hear a fair bit about in The Law of the Rings. How many was that? That was three. One of the others is a half-elf, but I spoiled that one. And our final fun fast fact is Elrond is roughly 6,437 years old. Roughly. What's a few days among friends? (laughs) What's a few hundred years? So by the time you hear the podcast, he'll be a few days older. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yes, he he tells them about these swords and how grand they are and that they're going to serve them well on their journey. So what are they going to do with the swords? Or are you not going to tell me? Well, I'd presume fight with them if they run into trouble. Is that how they... Do they have to kill Smaug with them? I'm not telling you. (laughs) I'm just going to say, I believe swords are used for fighting. They might have to fight at some point. They they might. But they also... Okay, I found this really cool. The whole moon letters, the... It's like invisible ink, but you can only see them when the moon is in the right stage as when they were written. I mean, that is really cool. And how lucky are they that that's what the moon is doing while they're in Rivendell? It's a crescent moon on midsummer. So how long would they have had to wait if it had been in the wrong state? Is it like every 28 days or like a normal moon phase? Or I, I'm not sure with this one in particular. What I get the impression, it has to be a crescent moon on midsummer. So if they miss it, they have to wait another 12 months. Oh, my gravy. Okay, that's a long time. That's that's the impression I get because he says that some moon runes can be just read whenever the moon's the same. Others are very specific. And I get the impression that these are those very specific ones. You know, so then that makes me think, okay, well, this is why Gandalf put this party together when he did because then – they would be at Elrond's house at approximately the right time. Mm. Gandalf is a clever one, it would seem. So we get the instructions from Elrond, and it's stand by the grey stone when the thrush knocks, and the setting sun with the last light of Durin's day will shine upon the keyhole. Super specific. Yep. And I can only presume with not knowing what happens or anything. <laughs> no, you have no idea, <laughs> That this refers to the secret passage they were discussing all the way back in Chapter 1, you know, two chapters ago. The, like, three abreast and yep. all of that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So this is how they get in. So do they have the key? Yes. Gandalf gave Thorin a map and a key at Bilbo's house. Okay, perfect. So now they just have to stand by the grey stone at the right time. Yep. And... The light will show them where they can put the key. Yep. So we discover from Thorin that the name Durin refers to the first father of the dwarves. Ah. And his ancestor. So he is the heir of Durin, this first dwarf of his people. Okay. And then they go on to explain that the Durin's day is the first day of the dwarves' new year. 
it is when the last moon of autumn and the sun are in the sky together. Excellent. So they're, they're now time sensitive. <laughs> it is, I believe, let me check my dates. I've got dates written down for when things are happening. In Oh, I don't have the date for when they're in Rivendell. Silly me. It's in summer and they've got until October 20th to get to the mountain. Ah, uh-huh, so they're there by the end of the the last of Durance Day. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so midsummer, that's like late July. Yep. Okay. I think. August, September, October. So they've got three months to do this. Okay, fair. I mean that's plenty of time, right? To to cross a mountain range and, and whatever else is on that map that let's just take a peek at the map. <laughs> Go for it. Do 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 Okay, so they gotta to cross the Misty Mountains. And Goblin Gate, cross the Great River of Wilderland, and then they're in Mirkwood, and they clearly have to go on one of the roads. I'm thinking they go on the Old Forest Road, but I could be wrong. Or maybe they just, I don't know what. I mean, this map looks like a bunch of trees and mountains and, and really dense. Oh, there's an elf path? Maybe they go in the elf path? Hmm. Hmm. Eventually, they're going to be at Lonely Mountain and the Desolation of Smaug, but... Oh, the Elven King's Halls. That's got to be worth something. So maybe do they have to make a bargain with the Elf King? I I really don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) I'm just looking at the map going, oh, that looks cool. I love it. No, do that as much as you want. So after they've read all this, Gandalf goes, well, is there anything else you can tell us, Elrond? And Elrond is like, not by the moon. Well, not by this moon. Because he says, are there are there any more letters to read? And he's like, no, not today. So that's that's a sort of fascinating idea. So do they do they get the swords out every day and shine them in the moonlight? Say, like, hey, you guys got anything else? Uh, the swords can't tell them anything. But the, what they need is to bundle up Elrond and bring him along and be like, okay, can you tell us anything else now? Oh, I see, because Elrond is the one who can actually read the inscriptions. Aha, uh-huh. okay. Yep. So, yep. Right. so yes, he could read this he could read the swords, he can read the map. He's very useful. Excellent. But he doesn't come on the adventure. No. Well bummer. No, it says the next morning was a midsummer's morning as fair and fresh as could be dreamed. Blue sky and never a cloud and the sun dancing in the water. Now they rode away amid songs of farewell and good speed, with their hearts ready for more adventure, and with a knowledge of the road they must follow over the misty mountains to the land beyond. Well, that's super helpful, though, because otherwise they're going to just be wandering around and trying to climb mountains and, and not really getting anywhere. Yeah, though we did hear at the start of the chapter this is their last real stop they can take before they enter the wildlands until they've crossed the mountains. This is the last homely ha- the last homely house west of the mountains. Well, really good thing they stopped then. Just to confuse the situation, though, because this was bugging me. I'm like, I swear it's meant to be east of the sea. It's both. Apparently, Elrond's house is the last homely house west of the mountains and the last homely house east of the sea. And it's like, so he's the only homely house? Well, thank God for Elrond. <laughs> yes. He keeps a good house. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add on about this chapter? No, it just seems like a really nice intermission before the next phase of the adventure starts. So our next chapter is called Overhill and Underhill. So we're going 
through the mountains in some way. So maybe there's some sort of secret passage that goes under them. And then also we have to climb some. Or maybe there's like some other, maybe we're going to meet some new characters that live under the mountains and they pop up. Hmm. What else could that be? I mean, clearly this is the last stopping point. So we're going through the mountains in the next chapter. Anything else? What kind of trouble do you think we might find? Or do you think it'll be a really easy? Eh, nothing to worry about. I, I can't imagine it's going to be easy. I mean, just because they know where the road is doesn't mean that everybody else doesn't know where the road is. And I'm in every other story I've ever read, mountains are sort of treacherous hiding places for people and creatures and things that don't necessarily want to be found. So if they're on this road, they are probably going to happen upon some opportunities for more adventure. Maybe they'll get to use those swords that they know what the names of the swords are now, but you know, they haven't gotten to put them to use yet. But yeah, I mean, a, a winding path through the mountains is clearly an opportunity for them to be ambushed by something or spied upon or followed or I don't know, something. <laughs> Do you have any theories about what creatures live in the mountain? You said other creatures could live there. Uh, goblins live in mountains and I mean, we've already met trolls or I would, you know, say like mountain trolls. Maybe there's more trolls. Trolls upon trolls upon trolls. I mean, Harry Potter, the giants live in the mountains. Like I, I, I mean, there. I'm sure there's some sort of animals that, you know, just like to hide in the rocky crags. There's caves. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's all kinds of interesting stuff just hiding out up there. Awesome. Well, we'll see what happens next week, won't we? Can't wait. Thanks for joining us. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Podmoot. Our email address is podmoot at gmail.com and our website is podmoot.com. If you'd like to contact me personally, I'm at Mel Bickett on Twitter and Instagram. Kristen, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Kristen Conducts. Norvera Mellon, until we meet again. Bye, y'all.